From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat. Weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Year two, bud. We're getting underway. <laughs> Second year of the Lincoln Business Beat, a brand new sponsor. Uh, we're just rolling right along, 2023. We are. It's the, the new New Year kickoff, I guess. So, uh, Well, at least for us, yeah. <laughs> for us, it's a New Year kickoff on uh, the Lincoln Business Beat. I'm happy to have 1890 as one of our presenting sponsors now. We appreciate their support and um, looking forward to uh, year number two. Let's get at it. Let's, uh, let's get at it and look forward, but maybe by looking backwards a little bit. And for those that may not uh, be LIBA members or be quite as knowledgeable of the history of LIBA, LIBA got underway in 1980. But why? What was? What are the whys behind the LIBA and the wherefores? Well, I think um, the biggest thing was a, a group of small business owners started to get together in 1979 and started having a discussion. And they were frustrated. They didn't feel like the business community had a voice. Um, whether it be at City Hall or on different matters related to the city or business matters. And they decided, you know what, we're going to start our own organization. So, you know, here we are 43 years later and uh, still kicking strong to be that voice, whether it be at City Hall, the county, the schools, the legislature, um, to try to be that advocate and that voice for the Lincoln business community and especially the small business community. Small independent business community. Absolutely. We, we, sometimes we... Just call it the uh, small business community, but it's really those that are truly independent. And I heard a statistic the other day. It was on one of the uh, talk shows. In this country, there are like 30 million small independent businesses as opposed to about something like 3,000 are publicly traded. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, and we, you know, I've said here, I don't know if I said it once, I've said it about 100 times. The small, local, independent businesses are what drive a community, whether it's Lincoln or any other community. That's that's the driving force behind our economy, and, and those statistics back that right up. Another uh, effort of LIBA is to turn it around and not just be a voice for business, but also to provide educational opportunities. Did that uh, just happen, uh, kind of a metamorphosis of what was being done, or was that more or less done on purpose, and, and how is the growth on educating the business community on various issues i think it's it's been um it's kind of been an evolution it's a it's a continual evolution you know we wanted to be the the voice of small business but also our job is to to communicate and educate the business community not only on the issues of the day happening at city hall or at the legislature but just things that are impacting business. We've talked about a lot of different issues on this show that affect business every day. They affect those small, local, independent businesses on a daily basis. We've talked about workforce issues. We've talked about, we're going to go deep again today on quiet quitting. There's there's a little bit more that's been coming out on that. So we want to educate them about what's happening, you know, and provide opportunities for them to grow. We've had members who have provided 
uh, mastermind or seminars or little workshops specifically for LIBA members to help them grow, to help them be better business owners. You know, a lot of times as business owners, we're spending a lot of time on our in our business, but not on our business. And so, you know, giving them the opportunity to grow a little bit, whether it's like, what do I do for recruiting? How do I market my business? How can I develop a better presence? You know, those kind of things. So the education piece, I think, takes on so many little tentacles uh, where we talk about, you know, political issues, regulatory issues, but also um, ways to build your business and grow your business. Another side of that education is for the general public, and I've got some anecdotal feedback. I happen to be from my daughter who lives in Papillion. She listens to the Lincoln Business Beat. I think it's probably so that we can argue politics at some <laughs> point or another. Or she's keeping tabs on Dad <laughs> that, just that to check be. in. But, but there have been some topics that we've gone uh, through, especially on some of our deep dive, which she has, has said, you know, learned more about that than I had realized was, was involved in that particular topic. And so... I guess that's not anecdotal. That's first person, and that's a kind of uh, a secondary effect of of this through not only Lincoln Business Beat, but through publications, uh, Facebook Live of the uh, Leave a Business Luncheon. So the public has a chance to learn a little bit more about the issues, but also about running small business. Absolutely, and I think you know we we start at that high level and we say advocate for business or be their voice or their advocate, it's not just at City Hall. It's like making sure the people in the community understand what drives small business, what drives the economy. And, you know, I'm proud when we look at our statistics over the last year, the total number of unique users to listen to Lincoln Lincoln Business Beat has far exceeded the number of LIBA members that we have. So we're reaching people beyond, and, and that's really the goal of of what we're doing and to take advantage of as many mediums as we can. We, you know, we put out press releases. We have our Facebook. We have Twitter. We have Instagram. We do weekly emails. You know, we do our podcasts. Like, we're trying to put a platform out there for people to understand the vital role that in business plays in our community. One of the terms that uh, I've been uh, a big advocate of that we don't really talk enough about or I don't think a lot of people understand, it's not just developing content that's important. It's not sharing content. It's content that's relevant. Relevant content is so much more important than just throwing content out there. So much social media, yes, it's great. uh, Well, maybe not great content, but it is content. But whether or not it's relevant to you, to me, to the business, to the public uh, officials. So relevant content is what I think Lincoln Business Beat kind of excels in. Is that a fair analysis? I'm biased. I'm very biased. (laughs) So are you. but, But I agree. And I think that's... One of the things over my career, I've worked in fundraising and associations and different organizations such as that. And and for me, it's not about just being in touch. It's about being relevant. And I think, you know, I put out a weekly email to all of our members and I want to make that email relevant. Like, I don't want to flood your inbox with just a ton of emails. So you hit the unsubscribe button I, I want. I mean, I got a call from a friend last night, and he was like, "I was reading your email from Monday, and I got back to work because of the holiday. I was reading your email from Monday, 
And I've known you for a long time, and I didn't know this, this, and this about some things that you're doing. And that, so that's relevant content. That's sharing relevant information. And that's, you know, whether it's an email or a Facebook post, like, I don't just check in on the Liba Facebook page to say, hey, I'm, you know, sitting in my office, and today I'm working on X, Y, or Z. I want to make it relevant to people. And I think that it's the Lincoln Business Beat. It's social media. I think in the world we live in today, there's so much content out there. To be able to put relevant content that matters to people makes a difference. And that's that's our goal, and hopefully our listeners agree. One of the most interesting things that I see from a news person uh, perspective and being in the, the radio and broadcast business for almost 50 years has been the way the dialogue and the information has come forth when it comes to the the public uh, government, uh, public officials, positions that people take, and and the rancor that has ramped up over the course, especially of the last decade, but really over the course of the past four to five years. It's really gotten um, pretty severe. Liba does uh, a extensive job of communicating with those elected officials, with the, not just the elected officials, but the agencies that are involved in the public and how that interacts, the intersection between business, the community, government, regulations, and all of that. How does that really happen and work within the LIBA structure? There are there are so many different ways, like through our committees. Like this week, we had a committee meeting, and Dr. Illich, who was on the business beat, was presenting to our committee to talk about what's happening at Southeast. We we try to engage that. So Dr. Illich is not an elected official, but he's got his Southeast Community College is governed by an elected board of governors. Um, so we, we provide those opportunities through our committees. Um, we have regular meetings with state senators, county board members, school board members, city council members, just to have conversations. Here's what we're hearing from business. Here's what they tell us kind of here are some things that we're working on. So to be able to create that intersection where we can have those conversations, you look back over the last year, I mean, we've had state senators, we've had governor, we've had, well, he's governor elect. (laughs) He hadn't taken the oath yet. We've had a congressman, I mean, city council, county board. We've had a broad spectrum. And I think it's important that we serve that role because when you talk about the small independent local business, they don't have a lobbyist that works for them. They don't have somebody on staff that's paying attention to city council agendas and school board agendas and Southeast community college and the tax levy and all and L- of those and LPS, things. LPS, you know, an electric, all, all of those things. Yeah, so, you know, uh, we've got our luncheon coming up this month, and it's going to have Liz Standish from LPS, and she's going to talk about the budget where they announced recently that they're going to drop their levy from what it was previously. So, I mean, those are things where we're constantly having those conversations. And, you know, we do a lot of things in the background that people don't necessarily know, but we're always being that advocate and having that conversation to try to help do what we can to support the businesses. And bringing the issues back to the membership. Absolutely. And call to action. And, you know, and, and I think that's when we get back to that relevant conversation or content conversation, you know, there are times that we reach out to our members and we're like, Hey, this issue's coming up. It affects your industry. 
you need to reach out. And our members are very good at that response. So I think when you provide that relevant content and you have those relationships and you know what's coming, now you get that relationship with your members to contact our elected officials. Another. We got a lot of legs on our stool, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a three-legged stool in this case. Uh, the other, uh, another aspect of LIBA is the LIBA PAC, the Political Action Committee, because the PAC uh, is made up of LIBA members, but the support is separate, and the PAC does support elected officials. Well, and that's another kind of piece of our mission is to to support candidates who support the free enterprise system. And so the LIBA PAC is a separate entity. They raise money separately. And then the PAC has its own board of trustees who actually make the decisions on where the money goes to support those candidates. They do interviews. They do extensive research. Uh, they're really working hard. And again, it's that group of people that are they're working on behalf of those small, local, independent businesses who don't have that person monitoring all that for them. And in those cases where there's a public hearing or there's an opportunity to express publicly concerns or support for a different thing, whether it's at the legislature, county board, board of education, city council, any of those, how important is it that somebody shows up? It's Well, I mean, we've talked for a year about it's in, decisions are made by those who show up. And, you know, it's important for our our members and our listeners to engage with our government. Like, that's what our country was founded on. We need to engage with them, and we need them to understand how the decisions that they make affect our daily lives as a, a small independent business owner, a large business owner, or as a citizen of our community. So it's, you know... I'll keep beating that drum as long as they keep giving me a microphone, Mark. <laughs> and with an election year coming up, and of course the union camera coming back, the LPS board budget hearings, uh, those are all coming up. So showing up be is going to be plenty for me to talk about. <laughs> and, and there'll be a us. spreadsheet on every single one of them, I yes. have a hunch. Okay, let's uh, go to the calendar. Let's look ahead. Got some active things, uh, some uh, very active calendar, and very important things. And you mentioned one of them, the uh, July Leba Luncheon, Dr. Liz Standish. She's the Associate Superintendent for Business at LPS. I have never, in, in all of my years in this business, found anyone or any organization that's any more transparent when it comes to finances, budgeting, and the whole process than Dr. Liz Standish, and she's going to be at the luncheon. Liz and LPS do a great job, and, and, and you kind of talk, it's not really a stool, Mark. I was thinking as you were talking there, it's more of a bench because <laughs> it's got a lot of legs on a bench. But the other piece is networking. We provide the opportunity for businesses to network. So we've got a lot of things coming up. Um, Wednesday, July 12th, we're doing a movie premiere of the new Mission Impossible movie down at the Grand Theater. On July 13th, we've got our BizNet that's being hosted by Unico Group down on Lincoln Mall. Tuesday, July 18th, we have our LIBA luncheon with Dr. Standish from LPS. And I would just say a side note on the LPS uh, uh, budget, Mark. If you'll recall, we did something on the LPS budget last summer, and I had a former school board member call me and say a lot of the reasons that the budget process is the way it is and is as transparent as it is is because of the advocacy of the Lincoln Independent Business Association so uh, that was that was way before my time but I'm going to give Leba a big pat on the back for that one I wish so. I had a bell to ring <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we go into later in July on the 25th we have our coffee and contacts um, hosted by Mosaic 
And then just looking ahead to the fall, like, you know, just because it's not legislative session or any of those things, we got a lot going on. September 1st, our foundation is raising money for golf with a golf tournament for scholarships that we've talked about on here. September 23rd, we always always have a tailgate during football season for members to stop by. It's, you know, all our members donate all the food and beverage and all that. And we have a good time. Again, let's be social. Let's get to know each other. Um, we do our poker tournament in October, which is a fun time uh, at one of our biznets on October 12th. And then in uh, November, we're going to do a murder mystery again out at James Arthur Vineyards, uh, which is one of our uh, good supporters of Leba. They do a great job. Jim and Barb put together a great meal. Uh, people get to have a little bit of wine or seltzer. And then also, uh, Jim actually writes the murder mysteries, and you get to solve the murder mystery. So um, a lot of different things. So you can see we're doing some social things. We're doing networking. We're doing educational, just in those things that we're talking about. So, And, of, and of course, monthly, the Lincoln, uh, uh, the Liba Business Luncheon, it's always on a Tuesday, usually at the Grand Mance at the uh, Jasmine Room. Those uh, guest speakers are usually decided a month or two in advance, and we always outline them here on Lincoln Business Beat. And you Absolutely. have it at liba.org. Yep. And then, uh, you know, it's the third Tuesday every month, just like clockwork is the leave a lunch, 1130 to 1 at the Grand Mance. And I didn't mention this, Mark, so thanks for leading me into that. Our August speaker is actually going to be Dr. Paul Illich to talk about the SCC budget and the things we talked about last week. To give, We're trying to give those audiences, we're trying to give our members those opportunities to engage with these public elected and appointed officials, which is Dr. Illich. And there's a lot of uh, dollars, a lot of taxation that goes to education in Nebraska, in Lincoln, in Lancaster County through the, the community college districts that they serve. So it'll be interesting. Well, when you add up LPS... The city of Lincoln, this county board, and Southeast Community College, and those other taxing entities. You've got the NRD board, you've got the airport authority, all of those. All of those budgets far exceed $1 billion in taxpayer funded revenue. So it matters, right? I mean, a billion here, a billion there, eventually we're talking real money, right? Yeah, you're uh, <laughs> quoting. A well-known congressman. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> We're going deep in our next segment, and that is the state of the global workforce, or the workplace, I'm sorry, state of the global workplace, 2023 report that came from Gallup. So we've talked about some of their reports before on workforce and quiet quitting and those kind of things. A new report just came out this week, and I thought, hey, relevant, new, and timely content, it's a Lincoln Business Beat issue, right? Hey, we got it, and it's coming up next on our deep dive. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness, and now you can have an immediate impact on the success of our programs. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company, and with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska's always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Several times during the Lincoln Business Beat run this past year, we've talked about uh, workplace and workforce, and one of the topics that I actually got some pretty interesting feedback on, and this was several months ago, but it was a term that I hadn't heard before called quiet quitting. We uh, had an extensive conversation on it, uh, but Gallup recently did a survey on the state of the global workplace 2023, and quiet quitting came up in that report. Yeah, um, this is it, this just came out this week, and I I was intrigued when I started reading this because, I mean, obviously a worldwide survey, but um, they looked at and they they classified people into three categories. They classified them as engaged, which is thriving at work or not engaged, quiet quitting or actively disengaged, which they actually called loud quitting. Fifty nine percent of the worldwide workforce is engaged in quiet quitting and another 18% are in loud quitting. So I think... That's nearly 80%. Yeah. Of the workforce is in some form of quitting? Quitting, disarray, not happy, not engaged at all. But like when you talk about quiet quitting, basically they're filling a seat. We call them clock watchers or clock punchers or whatever. And they put in the minimum effort just to kind of keep keep getting a paycheck but the loud quitting ones was fascinating to me because that's one that we hadn't heard before or right. when we'd seen these reports but the loud quitting they said these employees take actions that directly harm the organization undercutting its goals and opposing its leaders now think about the workforce issues that our people are having and now if you have Let's just say if you have 100 employees and let's just say even 10% of them are loud quitting. You've got 10 people out of 100 that are actively trying to hurt the organization. That's that's a big, big problem. And and then, you know, you look at the quiet quitting. It's like, holy smokes, there's, you know, 23% of your workforce is thriving worldwide and engaged. So... It's it's not just about being able to hire people. It's you know we we talked I think previously on here about be uh, slow to hire and quick to fire. Yeah, that's that's a, a mantra that goes back years and years ago. One line in the executive summary or from the CEO, the Gallup CEO, really caught my attention, and he was talking about how people are managed, and and I think that goes to this quiet quitting part and the. Uh, active quitting, whatever they refer to it, allowed quitting, and even those that are somewhat thriving at work. The, the CEO says, quote, poor management leads to lost customers and lost profits. 
but it also leads to miserable lives. Gallup's research into well-being at work finds that having a job you hate is worse than being unemployed, end quote. That was, you and I caught that same quote in there, Mark, and that was one that was like, it kind of punches you right in the nose when you you sit and you read that and you take that in because it's affecting your life, not just while you're at work, it's when you go home. If you're miserable at work, you're miserable at home, which is... Your, your mental health, your emotional health, your physical health, your personal health and well-being, your family, all of those kind of things. So there's a lot at stake here. And, and the other thing I thought was interesting in their executive summary was that um, in, the, in this year's State of Global Workforce Report, we estimate, which is Gallup, low engagement costs the global economy $8.8 trillion dollars or 9% of global GDP, enough to make the difference between success and success and a failure for humanity. That's that's some pretty sobering statements. I mean, in a one-page document. It's staggering. It's very staggering. And I wonder how much this is exacerbated, both on the quiet quitting and even somewhat the, the loud quitting, with a remote workforce that does not come into the office at all or sometimes remote working, uh, these things can happen kind of out of sight, out of mind. So it puts even more stress or more requirement on leadership to make sure they're dealing with these uh, situations so that these don't develop. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, just anecdotally, you say out of sight, out of mind. I mean, when somebody's working from home, you don't know if they have a separate laptop and they're filling out resumes or maybe while they're reading a report, they're doing a Zoom interview with someone else or or those kind of things and just actively engaged in that. And so, um, you know, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Also, they talked about um, six in 10 employees quietly quitting, basically, but they're likely to become engaged if you just make a few changes. And I thought that was intriguing because when 60% doesn't seem to be engaged, if we just made a few changes that maybe it'd make a difference for them. So, um, you know, and they talked about uh, what would make the workforce better. And the number one thing was the culture, uh, engagement or culture. So get re- being recognized for your contributions, liking your manager, uh, more autonomy in the work to stimulate their creativity, um, being respected like those are things that when we talk about this it seems common sense like but 41 percent of those people that were not engaged said that this would help them 28 percent said pay and benefits you know more money more better benefits those kind of things um but then 16 percent talked about well-being that's, um, a, that's a broad topic yeah, and and they in the well-being category here they listed a bunch of different bullet points. Um the maybe if you're working different shifts if you could know more in advance so you could plan your free time, less overtime, uh work from home, longer breaks, a health clinic, um have a break at work, you know, it's hard to work without rest or taking their health and life seriously. So those were a little more broad, I thought, than the, like, respect me, thank me, you know, maybe do these kind of things. So 
there is an opportunity, I think, for for leaders and managers to help address this. And, you know, I don't think you can walk around your business and go, hey, are you quiet quitting? You know, but but I think maybe some just subtle changes that you can make and maybe you'll see some some bumps in productivity and some different things. And we've talked about different businesses around Lincoln that have made changes to their uh, work days and work weeks and different things like that to try to address some of this. So and one of the, the most uh, aggressive ones that I've, I recall uh, having as a guest was Sandales Global, who went to uh, a four and a half day work week. Uh, I believe that was just in their headquarters here. It may have been in some of their other offices as well, but had to be planned out in advance. You had to clear up with your supervisor. You had to take it as a four-hour uh, break. You couldn't take mm-hmm. two two hours. It was so it was one four-hour block of time, and and you could uh, do doctor's appointments or do things with your kids. Do uh, plan it in advance. So those are the types of things that I think probably go into this well-being, and it's almost a benefit. It kind of. <laughs> Kind of straddles these two areas, but it's a benefit. I would say it kind of crosses over into all three when you talk about, you know, what's going to make me more engaged. Well, if I've got a little bit more free time and I've got the well-being, I can take care of those things. I can take care of my family. And you're getting paid for four hours that you're not at work every week. You know, and, and you're right. That was a really good example, Mark, of of them. And, and they did that, I want to say, eight or nine months ago. You know, I mean, it was it's been quite a while that they've doing they've been doing that. And, you know, I have a daughter that works at Sand Hills. I have a brother that works there. I have a I have friends that work there. And and it's kind of nice, you know. Oh, hey, we're going on vacation. I got to take care of some things or, oh, I got to take care of the car and I'm going to take this morning off next week. Or, you know, I got to go take my kid's car to get an oil change and tires rotated. So I'm going to take that next Thursday morning and take the morning off and come in in the afternoon, or I've got doctor's appointments or I need to, you know, I want to leave early for a weekend trip. So maybe if I'm taking Friday off, maybe I get to leave early on Thursday or, you know, different things like that. So years ago, there was a management style that was pushed by a lot of people. I was in several management positions, both corporate and individual operation during that time. It was called management by walking around. And I always thought that 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 was a little too flippant for me, but there were some points in there that I remember. Uh, I tried to make sure that you had a touch point with as many people in your operation every day. Some people you could only get once or twice a week, I mean, if you were out out on the road or or something. But years later, I had a, uh, it was my business manager of of one operation uh, after I'd left, Explained to me that that was so so important to so many people, and they'd talked about it after I was no longer involved in the um, operation. It wasn't really management by walking around, but it was engagement, not in a formal setting, but more informal and just you know. And I, as I looked back at it and got that feedback years later. Went back and looked at some of the history, and that was some of the most productive times that we had in that operation. And I wasn't even doing it by design. I just didn't think the management by walking around, that was that was too flippant, and you could just, you know, walk around and everything would be all right. No, you had to do something when you were doing it. And it wasn't something you had to do every day, but you had to do it regularly and with mm-hmm. purpose and engage. I was I thought it was phenomenal. And to get that feedback years later. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And, and actually, I wouldn't call it, Management by wandering around, I'd call it more engagement by relationship. Right. And, uh, and you that, know, I that mean, was, that was kind of my, the way I, yeah, I it, did it. But, you know, I, 
when I, I remember when email first started and like I was at a workshop and yes, I'm old enough to remember when email started. So insert some old jokes there, right? <laughs> I remember the first email program that we had set up. I was working with a, an advertising agency and our largest client. And we had an email program that was in-house, but once an hour, it dialed up to the corporate and shared email. <laughs> once an hour on a dial-up. Yep. Um, but, you know, there was this thing where people got into the habit of, well, I'm just going to email, you know, so-and-so down the hall or whatever. And and they they talked about how impersonal that gets. And I think of, okay, let's talk about when email started to how impersonal the world is today with, you know, texting and instant messaging and, you know, all those other kind of things. And, and it, that was a, a good lesson I learned early on in my career. I mean, sometimes you have to email someone and say, hey, can you help me with this X, X, Y, or Z? But a lot of times, sometimes if you have a question, instead of just picking up the phone and calling the office next door or, you know, emailing, just that walk into the office and go, hey, how's it going? You know, what's new? Blah. You know, you have a 30-second engagement by relationship, as we kind of said. And now all of a sudden you talk about it and you have a conversation. It's different to look somebody in the eye and you get a different reaction. And that's, I mean, we talk about that in social media with our kids. You know, it's, you know, when you say something on social media, your your purpose, your really underlying tone isn't really there. And that's a big deal. Yeah, I saw a Facebook meme, and I, I think it was uh, John Wayne or somebody once said that uh, your failure to understand what I meant when I said what I said is not my issue. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that even, that, that even talks like when we talk about this engagement, um, it makes a big difference. And then it also it talks to, you know, this th these things that we're talking about in this report and that remote workforce. You know, when everybody's working remote, you can't, you know, you can't walk into the newsroom over here at KLIN and talk to Tom if Tom's working from home, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a little hard. Um, so, like, those kind of things. And I think we're still, we're still waiting to see kind of the after effect of all that working from home and how much this impacts it. I just, you know, I'm, I've always been a proponent of Gallup since Don Clifton, uh, who is the father of Gallup and SRI and all of that. I've always been an advocate, or a, I shouldn't say advocate, a student of Don Clifton and engagement and those kind of things. And I think, uh, you know, they put out these, I get these emails all the time with different reports they're doing. But, you know, as we were preparing for the, the show this week, I just thought, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff here. Um, and you can go to their website. You can look for it. It's called the State of the Global Workplace 2023 Report. It's about... I want to say it was somewhere around 100 pages. And they actually break down the results by, you know, there's a North America, so it's U.S. and Canada. There's a Latin America. There's Asia. You know, different parts of the world that you can look at this report. But, um, you know, we would probably need a week to dive into that 99-page report. But I thought this was something, again, let's do something relevant. Let's talk about something timely. Let's provide things to our, our listeners. Let's educate them about just some of the things that were in this report. So again, I'm a big I'm a big fan of Gallup and the and the research that they do. I think it's good to share this information with folks and you can go to their website and find the report. It's 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 wonderful. Yeah, when you look at the the numbers again and we talked about them earlier, but 23% of the employees 
are engaged and thriving at work. You're less than a quarter of your workforce in that type of thing. And what type of uh, workplace environment does an engaged workforce of only 25%, what are your chances of, of true success as opposed to just getting by? Well, think of the damage the 77% that aren't engaged are doing to your business, you know, and and that goes back to that thing I alluded to earlier, be slow to hire, quick to fire. I mean, if you've got 77% of your people are not engaged and are unhappy, it's going to damage your business. There's some takeaways, though, that Gallup does in their executive summary that I thought were extremely interesting. Uh, one of them was, uh, goes something like this. In today's typical organization, most employees are neither engaged nor actively disengaged, but filling a seat. So address it. Yeah, and, and, and that's one of those, I think, relationship or engagement by relationship, um, getting people together, having conversations, and just sometimes you just got to look at some of the things that they talked about, like caring about folks, like understanding what's going on in their world. And and I, as a young leader, I always thought, leave your crap from home at home. Like just when you walk in the door, you know, take off all that baggage, come in, do your job and leave. Like that was kind of the world I came up in. And, and, and as I've grown as a leader, you know, when someone has a fight with their kids on their way to school that morning, it's going to affect their day. So what can we do to try to make their day better? And and just little things like that. Like some of the things that we talked about in here, Mark, about engagement and culture and well-being, it doesn't cost you a lot to do those things. You know, to walk into somebody's office and check on them or give them a little bit of more autonomy, let them explore their creativity that's not there's not a real hard cost to that right i mean let's let them do that and you know do you you do you right i mean here's what i want you to do you know i may have one way to get to this solution you may have another way to get to the solution but isn't the most important thing that we solve this we get to the solution you know and i used to be pretty strict about well we got to take this road you got to open your mind a little bit and think differently well the Best things I ever did one time with, uh, this was somebody in the in a front office operation in a, in a radio station, struggling with, with a, an analysis or something. And I walked in, and this was a young lady who, um, she had some uh, issues with, within her family situation and all that. But great employee, um, had, you know, was not a college graduate. But I, I walked up to her one day, and I said, man, I'd like to be able to solve this. Can you help me? And it was like she was frozen in time. She said, what do you mean? I said, you're one of the best people I know of, of being able to figure out or know who to go to to get an Excel sheet. Oh, your eyes lit up when I said yeah, Excel sheet. exactly. I said, I'm trying to analyze some stuff, and I don't really know where to go uh, to do it the, the quickest, the easiest, and come up with the results. Here's what I'm trying to accomplish, but I don't have time or the uh, historical perspective to do it, can you help me on this? And it was like this, it, it just changed the whole uh, environment around her for the next year. It makes a big difference. I mean, you know, we probably could spend hours and hours talking about different stories like that where you just ask somebody and, you know, I'm having a hard time, help me figure this out. Or, you know, here's what we need to do, here's what we need to accomplish, who has ideas? 
what do you think about this? You know, how do we do that? And, and, and being more open. And that's something, I mean, personally, like I, I'm pretty black and white. You can ask about anybody that knows me, but you know, you have to be able and be willing and open to share that and, and, and take that feedback. And sometimes you're not going to like it. Right. I mean, sometimes people are going to give you feedback that say, you need to just back off and let us take care of this. And like, but then if you trust your people, like it's all about trusting your people and, you know, hiring the right people to do good things. Like the most important thing you can do as a manager is hire good people and get the hell out of their way (laughs) and just support them. So I think, you know, at the base level, I feel like that's really what we're what, what what we're talking about here. It's not, you know, it's not like we have to split the atom 32 times and come up with a new theory of, you know, splitting atoms. It's, it's you know, basic human engagement in relationships. Takeaway number two in the executive summary, employee engagement does not mean happiness. If you're only measuring employee contentment, you're missing engagement. Hmm. Well, and I think that's, you know, you can be happy and not engaged, right? I mean... <laughs> Hey, I'm happy. I'm going to get a paycheck on Friday and, you know, I can just sit back here and, you know, look for another job or whatever. But so I do think those are a lot different. And and I've been at companies that have worked with Gallup and used Gallup in their employee engagement survey process and all of those kind of things. And I've been through a lot of those different kinds of trainings. And I think it is good to talk about that engagement piece, because, you know, if you don't have an engaged workforce, you're you're going to have problems. I mean, that's just plain and simple. There's no other, there's no ways, two ways to slice that apple. It's just, they're not, you're going to have problems. And how many leaders are too engaged in their uh, company or their operation? They forget about being engaged with their workforce. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that they talked about in there was just kind of being available. And, um, I am a person who hates to shut my office door. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. I, I hate to do it, but there are times that I do it. Like, okay, I got to get through this. I got to do that. I got to do that. I and and I told my staff this. We did a, a staff development thing here about six or eight months ago, and I said, I just need you guys to know, every time I shut my door, I feel guilty. Even though I know I need to get X, Y, or Z done, or if I'm preparing a report, or I've got a call or something, like I feel guilty when I shut that door because I feel like I'm shutting off the world. And and some people who knew me when I was young in my career would kind of laugh at me, thinking I felt guilty about anything. But like those are the kind of things. But when you can open up to your staff and they understand that, it helps them. You know, okay. He's not closing his door just because he's taking a nap or playing solitaire. It's like there's a purpose. And, you know, and and so, okay, we're going to let him do that because my door is usually never shut for more than 30 minutes, maybe at the most. Sometimes it's just 10 minutes. Like if I can get 10 minutes, knock this thing out that I got to finish up, then we're good. Right. But sometimes you just need that. So (laughs) I remember a similar situation. I, I had to. I think I was working on a budget uh, deadline. I shut my oh shut my budgets. Uh, yes, uh, shut my door to to you know make sure that I was happy with all the numbers. And went out. And the business manager had some stuff for me. And this was the same business manager I talked to uh, about earlier. And she said, "Hmm, 
close your door. She said, thank you. And I said, what do you mean, thank you? She said, you realize how much we got done when you weren't around? <laughs> <laughs> I joke with my staff sometimes. I'm like, okay, you know, we have a meeting every Monday. And um, every Monday morning, kind of first thing, we kick off the week with a team meeting. And for me, it's about, okay, what's happening this week? What's coming up next week? Like, let's just touch base so everybody kind of knows what's going on. And sometimes I'll joke and I'll be like, hey, this is going to be a great week for you guys because on this day, I'm gone in the afternoon for this and I've got this meeting and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, it's kind of good humored and natured. And I'm like, so you guys get a lot of work done this week or, you know, I'm going on vacation. But on the flip side of that, um, from time to time, I'll go into work about 6, 6.30 in the morning. And I'm there for a couple hours before anybody gets there. Or I'll stay 30 or an hour late. And I get it. Like, when there's nobody around, not many people call the Leba office at 6 in the morning. Um, so the phones aren't ringing. You know, you can just hunker down. And so... I'm one of the few for, that probably has called you at 6 in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's usually my cell phone. So, But, you know, I mean, those are kind of cool that you can do those things. So I just think... It's it's all about – I'm going back to what you said, Mark. You didn't say it this way. I put words in your mouth, but engagement by relationship. I think that makes a big difference. Final takeaway in this executive summary, quiet quitting employees are your organization's low-hanging fruit for productivity gains, the quiet quitting ones. Yeah, and that's where we said 41% engagement or culture would fix it. Like, we can do this. And, and these are things like – I don't – like I said, I don't think you have to – go walking around and say, are you quiet quitting or, you know, any of that. But there's just little subtle things you can do as a leader or as a manager to, to address some of these things and try to hopefully just be cognizant of it. So I hope this is helpful for people. Go to Gallup's website and check it out. People want to get a hold of you, suggest something for a Lincoln Business Beat podcast going for or have other questions. Bud at Liba.org. That's B-U-D at L-I-B-A dot O-R-G. Or you can call the office at 402-466-3419. And let's just remind everyone of that Liba luncheon coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. Tuesday. It's, it's a lot of money, and it's one of the largest taxing entities here in the Lincoln area, Lincoln Public Schools, and you're gonna have, have, we're going to have this conversation. Well, it's more than a half a billion dollar budget. So... Half a billion here, half a billion there. Eventually, we got real money. Um, but it's Tuesday, July 18th, 11.30 to 1, the Grand Mance. Um, if you'd like to come, you can call the office. They can get you signed up, 402-466-3419. Email me, bud at liba.org, um, and we'll, we'll be happy to have you. It's important. Decisions are made by those who show up. Come learn more about the LPS budget. And that's Dr. Liz Standish, Associate Superintendent for Business. Bud? Year two, we're underway. Hey, here we go, off and running. Hey, let's. Uh, let's do it, it was no onside kick today. <laughs> That's what I was going to mention about this. Uh, this whole topic, the the deep dive. There's something to be taken out of the coaching community. Successful coaches really engage with their team, with their staff. Absolutely. I was actually uh, I had a meeting with a city council member this week, and we we were talking about different things, and all of a sudden we started talking about sports, and we started talking about great coaches. And how they they worked, and who some of the coaches were that we admired, and we admired some of the same coaches. Which good studies. Hey, we'll do it again. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio, reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with Leba President and CEO Bud Seinhorst, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. 
Visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. <laughs> 